Linux Out Loud is firing up our mics, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expound upon. We keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. This week, we're spouting off about New Year predictions. Yeah, it's another year. And well, we'll make our predictions. Let's get into episode 45. Linux Out Loud is brought to you by Bitwarden. Well, we took a week off last week. I'm sorry, I meant to get a little short out to you and it didn't happen, but we are back this week for a brand new year and there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on with my wild and crazy co-hosts, Matt and Nate. What have you guys been up to? Well, you know, that's that Christmas season and Christmas season means lots of work. Right. I remember as a kid, like Christmas time was like the fun, relaxed time. Now it's the opposite. <laughs> it's work. It's lots and lots of work. Yeah. So busy. Crazy going nuts. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but that didn't stop you from getting a new toy. Are you enjoying this piece of old, new hardware, Matt? Oh, do I have words. <laughs> Some are not family friendly, so therefore they will not be said on this show. The Atari VCS, the short version for those that don't know what the Atari VCS is. It's a Ryzen 3, I think it's based on the 2000 series retro style console from Atari. Or, well, a company claiming to be Atari. <laughs> I have the <laughs> I have the base unit, which is like an onyx colored, is modeled after the Atari uh, 800, I believe. Nope, or, the Atari 2600. Sorry, 2600. Yeah. Beautiful. And the 800 was the actual computer, my right. bad. I have an Atari 400, not that you care, but I'm just throwing it out there. So I bought this <laughs> because it was stupidly on sale, and Atari, the company that's making it anyway, recently said, oh, we canceled all our contracts with our OEM. I've heard that a whole lot from a whole lot of other companies. And Nate, you used to work in manufacturing. Usually that means the product's not going to be around a whole much longer, is it? Uh, no, uh, it means that they're having a fire sale, essentially. Yeah. Get rid of it and get rid of it now kind of thing. Let's yeah, well, liquidate the assets that we've got left. Warehouses cost money to maintain. So to keep stock in a warehouse oh, right. yeah. costs money. So typically they want to open up that space for something new as quickly as possible. That's why things go on sale traditionally when they're not being manipulated by other things. Right. I know personally that's part of the reason why i've bought my large appliances in november and december if i can help it because last year's models are going on sale as they're getting yep. ready to put out the coming year's mm -hmm. models and so i don't care if it's last year's model i want the discount with that announcement i basically said yeah you know what it was 150 dollars for a ryzen 3 with 8 gigs and a customized like retro styled os because it's got a bunch of atari games preloaded which is fine so I bought it. Cool. Looks nice. I'm not going to lie. I do like the retro vibe, I guess, but it is also super small, which I also do like as well. However, I did not buy the official controllers and stuff. You turn it on and you get to the controller setup. Now, I have tried wired wireless PS4 controllers, a wired wireless Xbox controller, and I even went and said, yeah, I'll try a Steam Deck. Uh, not Steam Deck, a uh, Steam controller. What the heck? Why not? None of them work and you cannot get past Go, basically, once you get to the <laughs> controller prompt on the initial setup for third-party controllers when they claim that it supports third-party controllers. Weird. So, in order to fix this conundrum, anybody who buys an Atari VCS, plug in a keyboard and hit escape, and you can continue with your progress for initializing setting up your console. 
Wow. Well, that's fun. I'm glad they sorted all that out ahead of time. Oh, no, it gets better. <laughs> Once you get through that, you are entitled to no less than three reboots of your system. Whoa. Through various updates, which whatever, it's no different than, you know, Android or consoles in general. I'm used to that. Yeah. The fact that now that the controller works, except for when I shut off the console, and then I have to go back and put the controller in pairing mode in order for it to actually pair to the console. Hmm. Mm. Sounds like some gymnastics you have to perform. Mm-hmm. So for anybody who wants to buy this, Nate, you did the smart thing. You're going to be buying the all-in-one bundle. Definitely worth getting. Yes. Now, I'm just throwing this out here, but it is an AMD-based computer, correct? Is there anything like that's proprietary anywhere inside of it? Maybe some configuration bits, but like any chips or controllers. I know you can upgrade the RAM. You can up the storage. As far as accessing BIOS, I think the BIOS is password protected, but it's out there for people to kind of go in there. And if you want to stick in DDR4, like 3200 RAM, you can. You just got to change it so that the system doesn't default to the 2400 that it does. You can do whatever you want with the system as far as that. I can't remember the exact password off the top of my head, but I do have it written down and that'll allow you to mess around with the actual system bios to change boot drives and all the other jazz there is a built-in pc mode that allows it but it's pseudo kind of there but not really but if you want to do a full bore like hdpc like linux install because that's basically probably what this is gonna happen because not a fan right now of the initial setup That is the only thing I've noticed so far. But if you're looking for an upgradable $150 or $200 computer, that is an interesting idea. That in and of itself does sound intriguing. The rest of the issues that you've had on the software side, eh, not so much. But the rest of it, or I guess that last part, that I find interesting. Yes. If you want a HTPC that you can max out at 32 gigs of RAM, there you go. (laughs) The processor, do note, because I know this is like a spec thing. It's only a Ryzen 3. It's only two core, four thread. So do keep that in mind. So realistic expectations. In reality, if this is just a gaming machine, for the most part, you don't have to rely really heavily on your CPU, do you, though? Like most games aren't CPU bound? No, but it is an SOC, APU, whatever you want to call it. So it's using the Vega graphics. So integrated graphics. Gotcha. So that is part of the downside of this whole system. Yes. So it is very much a retro kind of console. So what Nate would be using it for, very, very good. Yeah. You're not going to be playing any modern games if you're sticking to the older emulated games that should run like a champ. Well, even the modern games I play are not really that intensive anyway. I mean, Maybe the most intensive thing that is played like on my Steam Deck or whatever is either the cooking simulator, but that's only intense because my kids like to blow everything up. And then maybe like the Lego games, <laughs> here's how I'd play this game. I'd probably put, well, of course, OpenSUSE Tumbleweed on it just because that's what I do. Right. Because you know, I don't want to deal with all the weirdness with controllers. But I think that if you put like Plasma Big Picture Mode on there, I haven't played with it yet, but looking at, at what I've seen with that might be a good fit for it. You have it connect to my MB server and do things like your Netflix and so forth on it. That would probably be a perfect solution for that. And I think it would look nice, you know, underneath a TV. And then on the occasion I actually want to play a game or whatever, I could then, you know, pull out that retro style joystick. That looks pretty cool, actually. I'm just thinking <laughs> along those lines. From an appearance aesthetic perspective, I think it's really awesome looking. Definitely. Well, I mean, of course you would want a case like that. Just look at both of your Commodore imposters. It's yes. just your aesthetic altogether. Yeah, you know, I think the beige is good. You said the black walnut's out, but Atari.com it looks like it's back in stock. No, no, no. You could only get the walnut color one by getting the all-in-one bundle. Oh, okay. I think I'd go for the walnut oh. or the onyx. Black, just blah. That wood grain there on the front with the Atari logo and embossed in silver. 
That looks pretty sharp, if I do say so myself. Who doesn't like wood grain? Come on. Come on, man. <laughs> Nate likes It wood. can look fantastic. It just depends on what it's on. If we're talking of like an old school station wagon, that's ugly. Wait, no, wait. Hold if on. If we're talking about the old school fake wood paddling, that's ugly. What about the truckster from National Lampoon's <laughs> Vacation? That is an amazing wood panel siding or whatever. <laughs> wood grain. I'd have to look it up again. All right. Chorus. I'm not gonna lie. There's your bad Matt Wendy. <laughs> that sounds like something needs to be cut out right there. Way to go, Matt. Oh. Hey, I'm not gonna change it. It's still at the end of the year. Like um, I ain't changing that. My New Year's <laughs> prediction is Matt's gonna have no bad mats. No, no, that's beyond ugly. I would say that as. <laughs> you yeah. like the eight headlights in the front? <laughs> no, yeah, no, no. Like I remember the movie. It's actually been longer since we've seen this one. Of course, we watched the Christmas one. Of course, this time of year, every year. I mean, it's a Christmas movie that you just have to watch, just like you have to watch Die Hard, right? Even though this one is more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard. Heresy, heresy. <laughs> Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I didn't watch it this year. I don't have a copy of it. Oh, we did. We definitely watched it. My husband and I watched it. We also watched the first Lethal Weapon because that one's a Christmas movie too. <laughs> there you go. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> Opening scene from the first. Uh-huh. Just because he... Never mind. I'm going to leave that one alone. Just because there's a Christmas tree in it, you're saying doesn't make it a Christmas movie? No, it doesn't work They actually way. have Christmas dinner at the end of the first Lethal Weapon. That's a Christmas movie. But... <laughs> I'm just Some saying. Some of that's getting cut out. <laughs> anyway somewhat on topic never on topic, <laughs> never on topic. somewhat sort of surprised it now didn't try. <laughs> nate you got nothing on this one dude all right so in all honesty i will say about the atari vcs at least looks cool so if nothing else once it's no longer a functional piece of hardware for you matt it is great decoration for like a centerpiece on a kitchen table <laughs> No flowers on Nate's kitchen table. He has all the Taris. That's right. <laughs> so Nate, actually, I'll say when it does die, because all technology ends up dying eventually, when it does meet that catastrophic failure, I will actually probably save the actual case and try to put maybe a you know, Raspberry Pi or some type of small system into it. Yeah, why not? I might go your route for once. Yay, see? It's almost <laughs> like we're brothers or something. No, no, definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> Nate, while I'm busy buying hardware that's already pre-done, it seems like you're busy making your own, literally. Yes. So I just released a video yesterday from time recording about building a new retro-styled computer. It was inspired by a, a video I saw on the YouTubes from a channel called Retro Recipes, which we talked about before on here, where Lady Fractic built herself a retro computer. So my daughter sees this and she starts hounding me saying, I want to build a computer. And I didn't really take her seriously initially because like, you know, kids say lots of things, right? But she kept bringing it up and she kept watching the two-part series over and over again and kept bringing it up. I'm like, all right, well, we got to do this. I started digging into it. What's it going to take? Made a, a component list. And I already had a Raspberry Pi 4, which is what was prescribed for it. It was actually designed just that like you plug into a wall and they recommended a different piece of software in there that I didn't really care for. Also, my 3D printer needed an upgrade. And we, I did talk about this previously, but I did put a direct drive print head or extruder unit, I should say, for my printer so I could print this effectively. That was great until a power surge, which actually while we were recording Linux out loud, it actually happened during our recording and it fried 
one of the uh, modules on the main control board. I saved it though. I saved it. So I might use it for something else. Who knows? Maybe I'll repair it. Anyway, so I spent $72 on PLA Plus of the pink color that my daughter likes. She actually assembled it and cleaned it up and did all the fun stuff as far as that's concerned. For the components, the keyboard for it was $38 on Amazon. It's an RGB backlit gaming keyboard, a 60%. They can use Bluetooth or USB, you know, whatever you prefer. The screen for it is an 8-inch standard ratio, so 4 by 3 ratio. That was the most expensive piece, which was $79 for that. The battery backup, which is like a UPS specifically for the Raspberry Pi 4 and has two outputs for power on it, which was perfect so I could power the monitor and the Raspberry Pi off this little UPS. Not a lot of battery power. It maybe lasts an hour, but it's definitely enough time to you know unplug the computer and move it someplace else. So that was $39 because I was doing that. I totally strayed from what was prescribed on the different parts for the machine. So instead of having the parts kind of pinned toward the back, I decided I would make little panels for the back side of the computer where I could basically do like panel mount, USB 3, the USB-C for power, and regular USB 2.0 on it, and then put a little toggle switch so you can actually power cycle the thing. So one of the problems I find with the Raspberry Pi, it's like pre-ATX computers in the sense that you have no software. If you put the thing to sleep, you cannot wake it up by a key press or anything like that. You have to do it in hardware somehow. So I decided I'd basically just put a power switch on it. It kills the UPS. There's a little switch basically for that. A little soldering there. I designed the panels in the back so you can just pop them on the back. And I also strayed from the actual original design by using the wider opening on both sides for the back of it. So there's more spots for, for plugs essentially. Nice. And it looks really nice. It has a really neat appearance to it. The keyboard is fantastic to type on. The pink mouse I got, I think, is a little bit ropey, but I mean, it works. I mean, it just <laughs> It's not the best mouse, but it's pink and my daughter likes it, so that works out. I find that the, the Raspberry Pi 4, it does a great job really for what it is. I mean, it is a Pi 4. And so I have OpenSUSE Tumbleweed on it, of course. Of course. Because what else would I put on there? I mean, it's just kind of standard fare at this point. You know, it works well. You can go on battery for about an hour. You can watch YouTube videos or, or whatever. But the basic tasks, what it was meant for was you know, for her to type papers on and it'd be her own computer. And she loves it. It's uh, not just a fixture on the table, but I mean, she takes it to her room or in the living room or our home education room. She takes it around with her and she likes it. I think it's a success in all in supplies because I already had some things you know on hand because I have lots of stuff. It cost about $280 to really build the thing, not including the new main board and the direct drive print head. But as far as if I were to build another one, then I guess I need a Raspberry Pi. So anyway, about $300 is what it really values at. And it's definitely worth it. It's definitely the sturdiest computer I own. The case, I made the infill like 40%. Oh, wow. Yeah, because my kids are, they can be rough on things. Not delicate. My concern was, <laughs> so this is the scenario I was imagining, is that I'd be sitting on the floor and then there'd be a lightsaber fight happening at the same time and then someone would fall on it. That's what I was envisioning. Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to survive the fall yes. of my 11-year-old. And so I said, you know what? I was actually looking at like 25, 30%. I'm going to go 40%. Is it overkill? Yes, it probably is. I could have saved a little bit of money on the uh, PLA. But at least I know this is going to be able to withstand all the abuse it's likely to take from existing in my house. I have to say, I'm looking at the pictures that you've taken of it. It looks really cool. So the case is in five main parts or more than that? Six parts plus the hatch on the back. How long did it take you to print total? I mean, it's going to be longer, way longer to print because you did 40% infill, but what was your total print time? Do you know? All right. So not including the failed prints after I had the main board fail, then I had a bunch of like right. bad prints. So not including any of the mistakes, it was 190 hours of printing. Wow. 2.1 kilograms of PLA. So it does have a little bit of gravity to it. Yeah, it's definitely heavy, especially where you said it was the 40% infill. My other big question is, 
What's the RAM on this Pi 4? It has 8 gig of RAM. So it's the nicer one, the mm-hmm. the best, quote unquote, the best one. So there's actually enough RAM for her to do stuff oh, yeah. with on yeah. it then. She's hardly using the memory. The 8 gig of RAM is hardly even being touched. Running plasma doesn't take much. Right. The heftiest thing that she runs on there is we have like a family, which I'm terrible about being on it, obviously. But we actually have a family Discord chat. And so sometimes the kids will talk to me through that. But for whatever reason, Discord like doesn't notify me on my phone anymore. And I've given up trying to deal with Discord. So anyway, uh, but yeah, there's <laughs> the kids talk to each other quite a bit. I can see what they're talking to and everything else. So it's actually a nice little thing. Set up that way. Yeah. So she actually runs Discord on it. Like basically just a web version of it. And that works well. And that's probably the most memory intensive thing that she does. Because I mean, playing the Tux typing, tutor typing thing, that doesn't take any memory to speak of. Tux Racer doesn't take any memory to speak of. LibreOffice doesn't take any memory to speak of right. relative to the 8 gig of RAM that's on there. And oh, there's also this, like a Tux Paint program that she really likes and she does a lot of stuff with that as well. So hopefully she might become a little bit of an artist herself. Awesome. She likes the arts. I love it. I love this build. I think it would be so much fun to build one just like this. I guess I need more filament too. And I need lots more pies. But I've talked about me having a line on some Raspberry Pis, but those won't be showing up till... Uh, later this year when I'm actually going to be picking them up. But I love the idea of this. It's so cool that you had a Raspberry Pi 4 around because they're so hard to get a hold of right now. Thank you for putting a mechanical keyboard on it for her instead of one (laughs) of those horrible, squishy membrane ones. Well, that's what was actually recommended by the designer of this was that particular keyboard. It fits perfectly. Mm. It fits the aesthetic. So you can have like a pink backlight on it and it goes really well with the pink computer. You know, the black and pink is, I think, a really good combination. Oh, right. So the Raspberry Pi came from, it was actually a home theater PC, but then when the Steam Deck kind of pushed that out of place, I wasn't utilizing it anymore. This was actually a good usage for it. So just kind of shifted roles. You know, I have sync thing on there as well. So, you know, all the work that my daughter does for school then synchronizes to everything else, you know, to my computer too, so I can help her with it or whatever else. The sync else. thing is awesome. Yes, it I is. I love it. I'm still loving that suggestion from earlier this year. Use it all the time now. Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. No regrets there. Not even a letter. <laughs> no regrets. No regrets. I've released the CAD files. So if someone wants to do the same thing with like the panel mount option that I did, those are all on nice. Thingiverse. And then I have a video on it as well. And I think there's a really cool effect that I did with it like in a dark room. Because the PLA is slightly translucent, some lights inside kind of glow through the case of it. And so that combined with the RGB effect, it's just a neat looking computer with light shining on it or light emanating from it. It's absolutely a, a fantastic everything about it. So probably I'm going to look at replacing the inside the Pi with something like a NUC or maybe like a laptop motherboard. Someone suggested a framework laptop board. Someone else suggested a Steam Deck motherboard to power it. Hmm. Those are things I could do. It can do whatever I want because I'm using the panel mount panels, whatever, the, you know, the panel mount connectors in the back. I can put whatever I want on the inside. It, it truly doesn't matter. There's nothing that has to fit just perfectly. I can make it my own and do whatever I want. That's awesome. So you could even use some of these other boards that are out there that are easier to get your hands on. Whatever. Doesn't necessarily have to be that Pi 4. Yeah, that's perfect. I want to free myself from having to use a specific piece of hardware. Yeah, or, or USB hub. I want it to be whatever I want it to be. So that's why I made those modifications. Well, and that way, it doesn't matter if that particular Pi dies or whatnot. You can always replace the guts of it right. to fit whatever she needs, even if that becomes like she still wants the aesthetic of that computer. 
but needs something that's a little bit more, I, what's the words I'm looking for? Performance? Hardware inside of it that allows her to do even more if she gets to the point that that hardware is limiting and she needs something that's a little bit more beefed up. So yeah. the look of that original one that you guys built, but have better hardware inside. Exactly. And actually it would be nice if I could find a way to more efficiently out of the USB ports in the back something a little bit tighter mm. than have like an HDMI out in it so she could actually have you know, like multi-screen set up as well. That'd be nice too. Oh, nice. Yeah, that'd be cool. I could just pop the lid in the back, I suppose, and stick a, another HDMI cord in the Pi 4, but the Pi has a hard enough time pushing that much video anyway, so... I don't know if I want yeah. to do that. Wendy, it looks like you're building your own robot army. Is that what's going on? I think there is a robot army that is being formed in this house. So we had our original Spike Prime. And then I can't remember if I talked to you about it or not. Maybe it was on Hardware Addicts where we took the week off and things have just been crazy around here. I'm not sure who I've talked to about what. But there was a local 4-H office that had a bunch of the older EV3 robots. These are still Lego robots. They're just the previous generation. And they were getting rid of them. Hmm. They'd offered them to some people. They didn't want them. And the one guy who was our contact at that office, his son is part of our robotics team. He's like, hey, is there any way that you are interested in them? And we're like, yeah. Is it just like the motors and the hub or is it come with all the parts? And they were getting rid of the whole kit. So instead of taking wow. the parts and adding them to their other kits, they were just getting rid of the whole kit with all the parts. And I'm like, yes, I don't even care if the hub works. I want the part. Yeah, really. So each kid in our team gets their own base kit EV3 robot. And our team got a ton of parts from that. That takes us up to three robots in our house. I was able to get my hands on some education money, some grant money, and ordered two more of the Spike Prime robots and one of the little Spike Essential robots. So what? That takes our house up to six robots in total. So who's in charge? Of the robots? No, the robots are you. Well, right now the <laughs> robots are ruling my life. I mean, really, do you know how much time I'm spending at with on robotics? Yes, robotics right now rules my life. The robots are taking control of my entire house and everything else. I and mean, it sounds fantastic to me. <laughs> Two of the robots actually showed up today. So yesterday was robotics day and that's when we got our EV3 kits. I spent part of the morning going through those kits, redividing out all of the parts that we have. And I didn't get just robot kits by themselves. So what I got essentially was called the Lego Educations at Home STEM Learning Bundle. And this is really, really cool total package. So it comes with the Spike Prime robot, it has the extension kit for the Spike Prime robot. And I highly recommend if you're getting a Spike Prime to go ahead and get that because of the extra parts that it comes with. Plus it comes with an additional large motor, an additional color sensor, some more wheels. It really is a fantastic add-on to the original Spike Prime kit. And then this one also has what they call the Brick Hue Motion Prime set. And as my son was digging into this, this is what he's extremely excited about because this one's more about simple machines, other science experiments that you're able to do with these Technic Legos. And so they have hydraulic 
pistons that come as part of the kits Mm. and different learning activities, lessons and stuff that you can do with these. So he had found the pistons, one of the first thing he found. And he's like, let's play with these now. And I'm like, I can't. We really have to go record a show, separate out the stuff that you know where it goes. And then once that's done, we can find homes for all of these brand new pieces. So overall, we have so much more to build robots out of. The plan is, and it's going to have to wait till next semester, it's going to have to wait till state is over. But for the kids and I to design our own robot course and build our own things for the robots to do, and then take our robots back, build our own robots, code it out, and have competition amongst ourselves in what can we do with our robots and diving more on how to code it with all of these extra pieces and hubs and stuff that we have. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with it. Instead of just having one robot hub, we can have a robot that's made put together as we're playing and practicing and stuff for the next robot game or whatever we're doing, and then have additional hubs that we can go play with gear ratios and all kinds of other stuff. That's one of the biggest downsides I found of having just one hub is I've got a robot put together and we were coding it to do some different robot runs. But then I'd look at these really cool like gear schematics and stuff. I'm like, oh, I want to play with that. But I'd have to take our robot apart in order to go play with that and that doesn't work very well so now we could do all kinds of different things have a robot set up for a robot game have hubs that we can go play with motors or other simple machine setups it's all kinds of stem fun at our house sounds like it i gotta say i'm pretty jealous i mean not jealous shouldn't be jealous <laughs> but i'm it's exciting very jealous <laughs> very yes jealous. so wendy i just got one question for that entirety of that as nate said you're making an army so when can we expect skynet and when can we expect terminators <laughs> And do I start calling you Miles Dyson? Well, I don't think our little Spike Prime robots are going to take over the world, but I think Pyrex is definitely going to take over the firmware that comes with the Lego hubs. I got a notification here a little while ago that there had been an update to Pyrex. And so I went ahead and played with it. It's so much easier to get installed on the actual hub now than it was before. You can do it from their coding window and then there's parts of it that I just love so much more as to what you can do currently with the python that comes with the hub not only are you setting what your wheel diameter is which is really important if you're wanting to tell it to go a certain distance you're also putting in the axle track how wide are your wheels apart And then this does one thing extremely well that the current firmware doesn't. I want my robot to drive forward and I also want an attachment to lift, move, go sideways, whatever, at the same time that I'm going forward. That inside of the scratch code you can do. You have to set up a specific my block inside the Python code. I just don't know if they haven't spent enough time on it. But that seems to be really, really difficult to do. And they're not using full-blown real MicroPython on those hubs. So there are some limiting factors as to, you know, what are the features that it's actually giving it. But that's extremely easy to do on Hybrix. One of the other things that they're adding is if you have your hub in a different orientation, you can tell it which side is up, which side is down so that it's going forward in the proper direction. And 
I cannot wait for them to get the gyro working because that is one thing on the current Python that we use and one reason why we wouldn't be using the Pybricks for competition this year, but it's definitely something we'll be playing with next semester as a team. But we use it for our turns already. I want it to turn until the gyro is reading 90 degrees, 45 degrees, whatever we have it set to, because it helps with turn accuracy using those sensors that are built into that brick, that hub itself. On the old EV3s, those gyros were separate. It's built in on the new bricks, which is totally awesome. One thing I didn't realize, and that came into having conversations on Mastodon, with the head guy that's working on this is that they don't get that reading directly from the hardware inside the hub. You have to go about it in a roundabout fashion. You have to use other sensors inside the hub to actually get what that turn angle is. And so it's something that they plan on having coming. It's not available now. And when they do, I will definitely be testing that out, writing the code for our turn by gyro like we have on our current robot. And we've talked about it before and I still don't have it actually working. And I wish I did because we could seriously use it for this robot game is to have it so that I could set, say I want the robot to drive at zero degrees of that gyro. And if it gets knocked off course in order to pull itself back to that zero. And there's multiple factors that apply to that weight differences on each side of the robot, one wheel that turns just a little bit more. I mean, these things aren't perfectly fine geared. So you can have some differences from one wheel to the other, and it can have some drift one way or not. And if you are able to use the gyro inside of that to say, I want you to travel at zero degrees and keep on that course, it means more accuracy with a robot, easier time in getting certain missions done. Because I know we've had to compensate for that. There's, there are specific missions that we have currently dropped from our now robot game just because those slight inconsistencies over a distance have made it so we had spent probably at least eight hours working on trying to get two missions to work and it wasn't working because of those inconsistencies. And so we're taking a robot down a different path. We'll still hit those missions, just doing it a different way because we're having to work around those little differentiations in one mission, causing a second mission not to consistently work properly. So I can't wait to see this stuff coming. It has so much more usefulness in the overall scope of where it's going to be than what LEGO has on it. I know Lego did do an update on their hub. There's now a new version of the app. There's now a new version of the software that's come out, but they were focusing on Scratch first. And anybody on our current robot game was told if you go to update the firmware on your hub, if you're using Python, don't do the update. We haven't worked on that yet. Hmm. So Lego's real focus seems to be on the Scratch side of it, which is a fantastic introduction into coding. I'm not saying it's a bad, but for those of us who are wanting to work on the Python side, it's not as useful. It's not as helpful. There's definitely far more function in the Pybricks version of the Python code, and they've got so much more coming. If you have a hub, and it doesn't have to be a spike prime hub, they have the train hubs. There were people being able to code their Christmas trains using Pyrics. It's not just for spike prime. It does cover more hubs. If you have a Lego mechanical hub, 
I recommend checking this out and seeing what you can do with it because it is an amazing open source project. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, it sounds really amazing. I mean, the fact that you, one, that you got these donated to you because someone else didn't want them anymore for whatever reason. That's fantastic. Right. The pie bricks, I think that, that sounds really interesting. Like it's something I really need to play with. Like, I suppose you need to get a Lego robot. You know, that is one of my goals for 2023. We've been talking about I this know. for weeks. Where's your Lego robot? Well, you know, <laughs> I was building a retro computer or something. Um, I know. Yeah. There's always something to build. But yeah, I think that we just for the problem solving, absolute fantastic culminating kind of event of problem solving, building, designing, everything mm-hmm. is all just in that one thing. And then the fact that it's Lego means you don't have to cut anything. You don't have to worry about screwdriver. Well, maybe you have to worry about screwdrivers. I don't know. Yeah, there's no screwdrivers with this. There's no cutting. There's no wiring. There's right. no soldering, which makes it very easy to get it out, play with it, have the kids learn how it works. I don't know if you've ever seen snap circuits. My kids love snap circuits. Yes. And so that is a fantastic way to play with some of that stuff and actually learn the foundations of how it works Mm -hmm. without having to deal with the very hot soldering iron or mom or dad always having to be there, somebody there to supervise the younger kids when they're building this stuff. It gives them more free reign, more flexibility in the exploration of these different STEM projects and gets those ideas flowing. Yeah. And I think that's huge. And also you don't have to really observe them as much too. I mean, right. if you're going to give them a soldering iron, you probably got to monitor them, you know, just to make sure they don't <laughs> pretend like it's a lightsaber or a dagger, I suppose. Burn the house down. Yeah. Your kids are probably well behaved, so not a problem, but mine can be like their father. Kids are kids regardless. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter. I've done my fair share of very stupid things. And so it all it takes is being so engrossed in whatever project you're working on that you set the soldering iron down in the wrong place. Right. And you've potentially got an issue. Right. Exactly. I'm more concerned about like burns, right. degree burns than I am about like damaging equipment because they're not soldering in the living room. You're not going to let them do that. But anyway, yeah, no, I think that there's so many avenues of just fantastic education, even for me, you know, to explore ideas and so forth. I mean, this has got to happen for 2023. I got to make it a concerted effort to do this, basically. They're crazy fun toys. I have fully admitted that I play with them all the time. I absolutely love this stuff. I'm so glad we have multiple robots because it's easier for us to play with them together than just having one. Everybody can have their own build. And I am going to take your suggestion and buy some of those used bundles of Technic Legos sometime later this year, just so we have more parts. Because the more parts we have to build with, to grow with, the more fun things that we can do with it. So that is definitely something I'll be doing later in the year. 2023 is going to be a ton of robotics fun more than it is right now. I absolutely agree. In 2022, there was quite a few news stories about data breaches for password vaults, and that is something that is extremely scary to think about. We put our trust into the companies that we have our vaults with, and we have these specific vaults so that we can use different passwords for multiple websites, and we want all of that to be secure. So when you hear about a password company having a data breach, it's kind of a, whoa, let me take a step back and see, is the service that I'm using secure? My personal choice is Bitwarden. I absolutely love them. I've been using them for several years now, and I even have their premium edition. So I wanted to make sure that what I had with them 
is as secure as it possibly can be. And one of the best places to look, Bitwarden is so open about their privacy policies, what information they're gathering, and what encryption they're using at bitwarden.com privacy. So when I'm diving into this, I already know that their vaults are end-to-end encrypted. When my data is just sitting there, it's encrypted. When it's in transit to me, it's encrypted. When I'm viewing it, it's encrypted from every single point. Wherever it is, it is locked down with my encryption keys. On top of end-to-end encryption, Bitwarden also has something that is called zero-knowledge encryption. Now, this sounds really clickbaity at first. It sounds like advertising mumbo-jumbo. But really, this is one of the things that keeps my information the safest on Bitwarden because they don't have a key. Even though I am not self-hosting my Bitwarden vaults, they cannot get into them because only I have the key in order to unlock, to decrypt all of that information. There are password managers out there that while they can't see your username and password, they can still see the URLs that you have passwords saved for. And that just leaves this open gap for somebody to get in, for there to be an additional data breach. I highly recommend you go check out bitwarden.com privacy, see what all their privacy policies are. They are also an open source project. They don't hide anything from you. You can look at the code. You can look at when they've had security testing done on their vaults and see what all of that information is. So if you want to support this awesome open source project, as well as having an amazing password manager with so many cool features, go ahead and check out bitwarden.com TUX to get started for free. Oh, I almost forgot. There is one more super cool thing before I let this topic go. Say you already have passwords on something else, Firefox, 1Password, LastPass, Google Chrome, or Password Safe. They have a built-in import for all of these different services, so you don't manually have to type them all back in if you decide to make a switch to Bitwarden, which personally, I would. And we're going to keep going with the fun of 2023 and actually share some of our predictions for this coming year. We did this last year. I don't necessarily remember what all predictions were in there. I know some of them have failed. Let's not talk about last year, okay? Let's just let's just go failed. ahead and just not <laughs> skip over last year. Yeah, if someone wants to really, it was a different podcast anyway. It was called like beyond extend and so i don't think it counts anyway so it doesn't count because we're not even that show anymore right exactly so let's just go <laughs> ahead and just not talk about last year and, and what our goals were anyway yeah or something like that okay what are some of your predictions for this coming year nate i'll just give one and then we can toss it over to matt so i think this year you know, listening to actually hardware addicts, a uh, great source of information. Well, thank you. And a lot of the stuff about talking about chip shortages and, and so forth. There has been some moves to bring some manufacturing, I should say, to disperse some of the manufacturing in different areas, the United States being one of them. I think that's going to be good for everybody. I realize that those plants will not come online for several years now, but some other problems have been worked out. I think there's been some calming of some hostilities and people aren't quite as crazy. And I think that our chip shortages are going to stop being such an irritation. I think that things are going to start to smooth out. We're going to see more chips become available. We're not going to have all these different like supply chain shortages in the chip manufacturing area. Things like the Raspberry Pi will be more accessible. 
GPU prices will probably still come down unless Nvidia does some more crazy 4000 series things. But I think that we're going to see other things, you know, become more easily available. I mean, I've just been watching AMD CPU prices specifically, and those have come down quite a bit. What I was looking for, things spiked, now things are coming back down. Things that I want are more available right now. I haven't clicked the buy it now button, but I'm looking at the prices. And I think that for chip shortages may still be an issue, but I think it's going to become lesser of an issue. And by lesser of an issue, I mean prices will be within, I'm going to actually give a hard number, within about 20% of what they were before everything crazy happened. So instead of spending $200, be $240, yeah. I really, really hope that's true. I'm not liking the way things are looking in some of the areas that a lot of stuff is manufactured right now. Personally, feel that this is extremely optimistic, but I'm hoping you're right. I don't know about the chip shortage or, you know, NVIDIA not doing something stupid, which, you know, <laughs> let's, let's launch a 4090 and let's have the connector melt on a, you know, $1,600 video card. Or uh, have to add some cross bracing if you have a tower, just so the thing doesn't break out of the slot. Or basically just stick a PS5 inside of a tower and call it a NVIDIA, you know, GPU. There we go. <laughs> Job done. <laughs> so, no, I definitely... Uh, tend to agree i think of the the chip shortage stuff it might not be the newest stuff but i think even a lot of this stuff will come out more on the used market it might be a little more <laughs> battered for wear probably like you said Nate, uh, like i've seen gpu prices you know basically tank because i think it's like 42 percent of gpus aren't being bought or something it's like some certain amount and a lot of that has to do with pricing sure. i'm gonna slag on both of them saying nvidia and amd both can't read a rom <laughs> Well, I think they need to concentrate more on efficiency and less on trying to use more electricity. I think they need to concentrate more on, you know, we don't necessarily need more power. I think we need to focus our efforts more on energy efficiency because I mean, there's some other issues when it comes to energy shortages as well. I think it'd be better for everybody if some more work is done in that area. Definitely agree. So what about you, Matt? What's a prediction on your list? Oh, last year I had a few video game predictions that kind of came true. So this year, well, guess what? More video game predictions. <laughs> in light of the hardware that you were talking about, Nate, I think SteamOS, and I mean the thing that's currently installable on the Steam Deck, will be officially available to download and use for insert device here, insert PC here. Hmm. That, I think, is something will, that will be more readily available for usage and download. Do you think that you're going to see a, a large adoption of SteamOS once it becomes available? The short version is, now some Linux users are not going to like it, but I think it takes a lot of the pain points that a lot of people have thrown at Linux and, you know, oh, it's always changing. Oh, it always breaks. As far as like, especially on Arch, as Nate would like to always throw. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it always breaks. And, you know, does X, you need the terminal, blah, blah, blah. All the typical complaints and all the typical like impressions and everything else that are around it, like that brand of Linux in general, is different. It's Linux based, but it's one of those, I think it's more accommodating to what more general end consumers would view it as. So it takes a lot of the flaws that while most of us in Linux would be like, oh, that's no big deal, you know, remove a package, install a package, etc. It takes all that stuff away because it just uses Flatpak. It's a simplified version that is probably the most consumer-ready version of any Linux distribution. Bar none, period, end of story. And it still has all the things that Linux users would want, because you can still tweak and do all the other stuff if you just take away the read-write protection stuff, as far as the immutability of it. Mm -hmm. So, oh, you want to use Arch? Okay, just 
tell them remove those flags. You don't want to use flat pack. You want to use you know Pac-Man or Pomac or you know insert thing here. You can still do everything you want. It's just it's a very training wheels kind of Linux, and some people will take that to mean you know I'm being kind of mean to new users, but it takes a lot of the pain points away. I mean I know for me like if I can get a system that I can just throw steam os on doesn't matter what it is you know whether it's the mini forums or if i throw it on the atari vcs i'd be perfectly content using steam os as a general os for the most part because i can game i can do all the stuff i would want to do and i definitely agree especially for when the living room system finally gets put together having steam os by itself and being able to put that on that system and that'll be its main goal is a gaming system for the living room why not use why not use a Linux distribution that is framed around all of the stuff that they're going to be using it for anyway? Yeah, because while its main focus is obviously gaming, it literally, Nate, you know this as well as I do, Wendy's going to probably tail off here because I mentioned Steam Deck. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you hold down the power button, one of the options is literally switch to desktop. That's desktop mode, and there you go. You're off the Linux. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't look for this, but I was just noodling this around just now. I usually leave it in desktop mode for doing the home theater PC thing. Is there a application for just connecting to like MB or Netflix or anything like that in Steam? Because I think if they did something like that where you had those, you know, like on the Wii or Wii U of days of old where you could, you know, install Netflix or, you know, insert your favorite. Is there a way to integrate, say, there are ways to add non-Steam things? To the deck UI. But what would be slicker than snot on a brass doorknob is if Steam, or Valve I should say, had applications. So it'd be really <laughs> easy for someone just to like install Netflix or install, it's not they're installing anything, just a pre-made script thing that would just allow them to you know, use the you know underlying Chromium browser or whatever. I'm not a Chrome guy. Per, oh, I don't mind Chromium based browsers because I use Vivaldi, but I'm not a Google Chrome guy. And I think if what they do when you first boot up the Steam Deck and you, I believe you go over to applications or so, it gives you the option, like they prompt you with an option to install Google Chrome. I think if they have a catered kind of store with that, you know, even if it's built around like web apps or whatever, I mean, the thing comes with 16 gigs of RAM. If a general web app for like Netflix or Prime or any of that is running on that much RAM, then um, then electronic, all the complaints about Electron are totally accurate. Right. It wouldn't even be that. It, just, it would literally just be, I like what I'm thinking is an easy button for someone who's running SteamOS just to have these quote apps that would just run in web containers essentially. And then it would be a perfect set top, you know, maybe a replacement for the Atari, your Atari VCS operating system, whatever that's in there, just for people to be able to, you know, use easily. Because I mean, think about it. If you set up a computer for somebody with SteamOS that they can very easily do all these different things that they could do on the Roku or Fire Stick or whatever else. I mean, there's a lot of potential there. Oh, I definitely agree. I think from what we've seen with Valve, they, they tend to play the long game. Ironically, most people wouldn't have expected them to stay this long in Linux. So, yeah, I mean, you're going on 10 years now. Um, I believe it was around Valentine's Day of 2012 when they announced Steam for Linux, if I remember correctly. So the fact that they are 10 years in and still contributing and doing things and reiterating and refining things shows their kind of long-term planning. Doubling down, quadrupling down. I think with the addition and the tweaks that they made with stuff like with the deck UI, which is much more console-esque, shall we say, 
it wouldn't be far off for them to introduce streaming services, I guess would be the best way to put it, um, for apps. Because, I mean, you, you can buy actual apps on Steam anyway. Right, like Krita. Right. There's video editors for like Windows and stuff that you can buy on Steam if you want. There's audio editors you can buy on Steam if you want. So I think it's not a far call for them to do that. I just think it'd be really slick. That's all. I definitely agree. That probably would be more of a long-term plan, if I had to guess. Probably why they haven't released SteamOS as a general download. Could be. Now that we've talked video game stuff, and as soon as, like I said, as soon as Wendy heard Steam Deck, she just kind of blanked. Wendy, what's one of your predictions? I have been thinking and thinking and thinking, and I actually cannot come up with anything that I would feel is an accurate or good prediction for the year. Definitely nothing positive because Nate's like, yay, chip shortages will get better. And currently I'm like, "Mm, I have a feeling they're going to get worse again not get better so i don't have any like super positive things right now for 2023 coming this way other than i will be doing a ton more stuff with robotics and that pyrex is only going to get so much better and possibly more teams next year will be using it instead of the stock lego robotics firmware on their hubs so depressing <laughs> you're being a what's to say negative nancy but i'm being a matt right now i am the one being like i don't see a whole lot of positive stuff on the hardware realm a whimpering wendy for 2023 i just don't hey, see it wait, wait, wait how am i not positive or am i just too realistic for most people <laughs> There's a reason why the name you go by otherwise isn't Happy Sunshine Dude. I am a ray of sunshine on this network. On the network, <laughs> yes, on the network. <laughs> if by ray of sunshine you mean like dog days of summer, hot sun, no clouds, yes, you are that ray of sunshine. Gonna leave that one alone. <laughs> Hello, Magneto here. This episode of Linux Out Loud is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we... Well, that they use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password as well as additional authentication such as master password and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your password safe. From me, Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. $10 premium account includes one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, or Duo, Vault Health Reports, and TOTP Authenticator Storage and Generation, and Priority Customer Support. Make the smart move, like many from the community have, and go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. If you're like my wife, Sinister Wendy, You'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the Premium Edition, especially since the Premium Edition only starts at $10 a year. Thanks to Bitwarden for supporting this episode of Lennox Out Loud. Magneto out. Let's keep the ball rolling on the gaming side of things. And once again, we have Game of the Week. What do you have for us, Matt? I have a game that, Nate, I made the recommendation to you because it is very much something that would be up your alley, or at least it should be. It's pixelated. Yes. It's pixelated. It has elements of Rampage. Yes. I remember playing that on an 8088 on a green screen. 
It was fantastic. And the game is called Gigapocalypse. It is a Godzilla meets Rampage kind of kaiju game. And it goes for 10 bucks <laughs> normally. Right now, you can get it for about 450 on Steam or GOG. It's just a fun monster stomping game. Side scroller. Very pixelated. But fun game, not going to lie. I've played it a little bit. It's quite fun. So if you're a fan of Rampage and those style of side-scrolling kind of games and you want to squish people like, you know, certain green geckos, go ahead. No. I mean, it looks a lot of fun. I haven't committed to buying it yet because every time when you sent it to me, I was either working and I forgot about it. It just looks like a fun game to play. And I think you probably get hours of enjoyment, but the kids would love it. I'm going to bite for the kids. That's it. Not for me. I'll bite for the kids. Don't worry, Nate. I'm being the enabler with making sure you buy the Atari VCS. You know, I make those <laughs> excuses all the time. I'm buying it for the kids. That's why we got Bendy in the Dark Revival in the first mm-hmm. place. Yep. And yeah, none of my kids have played it yet. Let's not talk about the fact that they haven't earned their game time back at this Uh-oh. point. And so that's part of the reason oh. why nobody's got oh. to play it yet. But mm. well, that's actually good for you, though, because it means it's more game time for you, potentially. Absolutely. When I have time to sit down and play it, and I have actually made time for Bendy and the Dark Revival. So you can say you're buying it for the kids, but we know you are planning to buy it for you. You know what? They've been sneaking off with my Steam Deck, and it's been really irritating. More and more. Mm-hmm. So, Nate, what you can do is you can buy them a second Steam Deck on top of the Atari VCS for you. You know, I got like real things I have to do and fix and, and so forth, <laughs> Matt. Like, like as much as I want to blow all my non-discretionary dollars on games and toys and things, I got equipment I have to buy. <laughs> Nate, can you justify it though? You know you can. Yeah, let's not talk about this. All right, let's 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 move the conversation. You know in some <laughs> weird way, you can convince yourself to justify and vindicate yourself of buying those two things. Yes, it's one of the things I don't like about myself. And this is me totally being <laughs> an enabler. Never. You would never. Knock you off my shoulder. Get off of me. I don't know what you're talking about. Do you have a good mat and a bad mat that sit on your shoulder? No. One side's a bad mat. The other side's a really bad mat. <laughs> oh, yes. No comment. <laughs> so one is the bad mat that you get on the show, the show version of Matt, and the other is the real version of Matt, the off-show Matt. Don't even start there, um, <laughs> Miss. I'm an angel on the show, but not on the show. I have no idea what you speak of. I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> I witness nothing. You live longer. So anyway, <laughs> while I'm making recommendations about giant stomping monsters, Nate, you seem to be uh, Christmas light displays. Yeah. I don't remember why we didn't talk about it last time. I think maybe just had other stuff in there. But I want to talk about my Christmas light display this year. Now, by the old tradition, today would be the fifth day of Christmas. Because like the first day of Christmas is the 25th. And then it goes, you know, 12 days. And then you have Epiphany. So today is, at the time of recording, is the fifth day of Christmas. And so I still have my Christmas light display going. This morning, I finally got around to recording the sequence because either the weather was kicking my butt or super windy. I was afraid I was going to like lose my camera. And then we got like just molly whopped with snow. And so like half the things were just covered up so much by the snow. The weather was just so uncooperative. So finally, I did record my Christmas light display. It's just one of the sequences I'm publishing because I only had time to really make one good. The others I just kind of like are reruns from last year. And I did Candy Cane Lane 
I really like it. I think it was one of my more fun ones I've done. I think they're all fun, but I think I'm improving in my sequencing. So this year I, I added 890 programmable lights to the show, like individually programmable lights. I made like a giant Christmas tree looking thing that can be whatever. It's basically a screen, essentially a display. And so you can do fun things on it, you know, like falling snow. And that's great. I think I'm going to probably upgrade that again next year. I had enough power, like my power supplies could push it no problem. I have two 360 watt power supplies and I'm not even pushing it at all. But I, I did also upgrade the controller software because it stopped upgrading itself. Like it couldn't find GitHub for whatever reason. Just put on a new SD card just in case and transfer everything over, which ultimately started causing strings of lights to like glitch out. So I didn't know what was going on there. But I reduced the power output to the lights and that seems to have fixed that. Don't know what's going on. Now that things are smoothed out, the lights are going. To music, you can tune into it with an FM, like in your car, you can stop by and watch it, which people have been doing here and there, even though I'm out in the middle of nowhere. I'm sure the neighbors across the street love it, although not exactly directly across the street, they're kind of, you know, they're off to the side, but I'm sure they love it. I'm very happy with it. The light display, it, I wanted more lights, but I just didn't have the time to get to it. And again, weather was just not cooperative and other things too were not cooperative. Now that it's done and doing its thing, I'll put the Candy Cane Lane show up. It's on YouTube now, but I'll have a link for the show notes. So so if someone cares to see what I did, which will be almost two weeks after Christmas by the time this is published, then they can watch it. Magneto was actually asking about this last week, was wondering if your light display was up to watch or not, because he usually watches your light display every year that you post to YouTube. So we'll be checking it out here. Oh, good. Well, the link is now in the show notes. Awesome. I'll show it to him <laughs> as soon as we're done recording, because I think he's already home. Cool. I hope he likes it. So Wendy, it sounds like your purchase of new hardware or your acquisition of new hardware has made you tear your house apart, or is the hardware tearing your house apart? Are the robots taking over your house. The hardware's not telling my house apart. It's me tearing my house apart in order to find places for new hardware. So some of that was oh okay those robots that I was talking about. There's so many more pieces. I want a good place where the kids can access all the robot pieces that's not in my room. That was an issue with the cricket as well. The girls have been having an absolute blast creating things with it, but that piece of hardware was in my room, and there was times that I couldn't get through my room because the girls had paper everywhere as they were working on stuff. And so I wanted to have my house just a little bit more functional. But what started that actual kickoff was Magneto got me, I wouldn't see it's actually a soundboard. It's actually a sound card that has some soundboard features. Just like that. It clicked on it. And that is very cool. Did it come with that microphone as well, the XLR microphone? Yes, it does come with a microphone. And I tested that out with the one that I'm currently using. And there was just way too much noise going on with that microphone. There is a noise reduction button on this sound card. But for me, it tends to clip the beginning of my words. So I think hmm. some people, just depending on your voice, the tone of your voice, it may work really well. But that wasn't working for me, so I have it turned off. I do love having this lit up button saying that the mic is muted. I've been using that on and off throughout this entire show, loving that part of it. It does have places for two different microphones, though you can't control them oh. individually. They're both on or they're not. They're not going to be recording on two different tracks. So it has some really interesting features, but would it replace like a full-blown soundboard if you needed one? Absolutely not. I've been having fun playing with it. And I do think my favorite part of all of it is the actual physical mute button 
It does have the ability to change some highs and lows. And if I was streaming a lot, say if I was streaming games or whatever, or wanted to have music or other sound in the background, this is something that can handle that. The other cool thing about this board is it's battery powered. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, you don't actually have to have it connected to power all the time. So if for some reason I needed to go record somewhere else, this gives me a little bit more flexibility in being able to do that. It is very, very solidly built. It actually has a metal frame on it. And so for the price of this, for the price of the total package, I think it is an awesome setup. The microphone that it came with, like I said, I won't be using on this system, but it might be going out to the kitchen system or it might be a microphone that my daughter is able to use if she needs to do some different calls for school or whatnot. Have that as another microphone in the house in order to use for those kind of things. Now, the stands that it comes with really aren't that great. They're made out of plastic, though I'd have to say as far as a plastic item goes, they're probably a little more solid than some of the other ones that you get. I mean, they don't feel flimsy. It doesn't feel like I could just snap it and break it apart. So overall, the price is going into the board itself and not necessarily the accessories with it. Though I am currently using the XLR cable that it comes with, and it is a nice XLR cable braided. It's quite a bit shorter than the really nice XLR cable that I had before, and so it's kind of helped with some of the cable management on my desk. But the other one, what I was using before in order to route my XLR mic into the computer, it didn't matter. It didn't have to be close to me because it was just kind of set it and forget it put the gain on it it's tucked back in the corner I don't have to worry about it this one I need to have it closer so I can actually access and use that mute button on the board and so I started tearing apart my desk in order to figure out where that was going to go and I'm like hey you know while we're at it let's totally rearrange the room and make this a better usable space and hey you know why I'm at it the spare room needs to be completely gutted and rearranged so some of the stuff that was in here I can go in there and where am I putting things and next thing you know nobody can sit in the living room because I have crap everywhere that I'm going through <laughs> so yeah it started with the soundboard yeah <laughs> I think that's a fantastic device though I mean the fact that it has a battery how long does that battery last have you done any checks on that any, any measurement I haven't really done any testing with the battery to see how long that's going to last I really need to be careful and make sure that I'm not leaving it on power too long and ruin the battery on it because that's most likely what's going to happen because I don't anticipate traveling with it. But somebody who is doing a traveling podcast, going to interview people, I think it's an awesome first step. It's an awesome place to start because you don't need to have a computer. You could record into a phone. You could use sound or whatnot from a different mobile device, a tablet or whatnot. It really is flexible in that realm in order to give you more options, give you podcasting options, give you game live streaming options with this device. This is a really neat system, I think. Is there any mixing at all with the different inputs? There is some mixing with it, which is really pretty neat. So I have got, and I played some music. I played some music earlier 
that went from my phone into the board and then out to you. Okay. I couldn't hear it because I have my headphones connected directly to my computer and you can monitor from the board, but I'm not currently doing that because I need to be able to hear you and there's probably some other way that I can route it. I'll be playing with those things a little bit later, but you have it set so there's a dodge button if you do have some music playing in the background. If dodge is turned on, then it'll automatically lower the music when you go to talk and bring it back up when you're not talking. It has some echo effects that you can turn on and off. It has some voice changing effects that you can use if you'd like to. And it has three different custom buttons that you can add to the sound portion of the board. Like I said, it's not incredibly fancy by any means. It's not going to do what Michael's soundboard is doing, but the price difference between the two is massive. Yeah, for sure. This one right now is great for me. It's my first experience with the soundboard. It still has the phantom power for microphones, which the microphone I'm using right now needs that phantom power. So it's awesome that that is set up and can be done with this piece of hardware. So many different functionalities, many different ways that you can bring audio into it, mix it all together and export that out as a finished product. Yeah, that's super cool. That's a fantastic gift. Congratulations. Absolutely. My husband has been listening to the show, some of the stuff we talked about. I figured I was getting something like this because he was asking me all kinds of questions about the audio equipment I use. I was like, well, whatever it is, it has to take an XLR microphone because that's what I have. I don't want to go back to one of the other ones. This one can take a dynamic mic. It has a specific dynamic mic port for some of the ones that are out there on the market. Like I said, for the overall price, like it really is a very interesting piece of hardware and I will play with it more over time as I'm getting used to things over the course of doing this podcast, I'll set some stuff up in different ways to see, hey, does this work? What is it doing? And eventually, I'm hoping that we'll be able to live stream again and I can use this for some pretty fun features when we eventually do get to do another live stream. I was thinking it would be fun to do a live stream and have Magneto join. That would be fun. That would be lots of fun. (laughs) That would be a ton of fun. I'm pretty sure he would love to be a part of that. I know he had a lot of fun doing that short little interview and we were going to do something, like I said, for this missed week, another little short something. It just didn't happen partially because I have my house tore apart and I'm just trying to get through stuff, sort through stuff, get things to the recycling, get them out of my house and have places where the kids can play with our other tech stuff that we've got going on and just have it not in my room in my space good call now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topics hit the discourse form drop us a line under this video or on the contact form by visiting tuxdigital.com contact if you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media see the links in the bottom of the show description find other great shows like hardware addicts gamesphere linux saloon and more at tuxdigital.com Show off your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting the Tux Digital merch store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric I paused my game to be here shirt or join hashtag Team Wendy with some sinister Wendy swag. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome soda of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banter friendly, conversations somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it.
All right, Wendy, thanks for joining. Always fun. So I will see Definitely you next week. Definitely fun. Glad you finally were calmed into playing. <laughs> More like forced, but... <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, yes, I will say I have played Among Us and I've been having fun. Yay! Had... Yay! How painful was that to say? Like, really? Soul shattering. Yes, he said he's been having fun. Can you believe that? And what I'm sad about is I'm not recording this right now and it's not part of the show. Wendy, there's going to be a three-hour stream on the, uh, you know, not public portion of the channel so you're saying i should go steal that clip this clip from there something tells me that clip's gonna be stolen anyway regardless of what i do so that'll be about two hours and 45 minutes into the stream just just to give you a time stamp ish area okay awesome (laughs) i will totally grab that and make sure Uh, that it makes it into the next linux out loud of course (laughs) did you hear magneto no (laughs) he said it needs to make it into every linux out loud from here on out (laughs) (laughs) no wendy click record now among us is my favorite game ever there you go oh that is a great way to end the year i'm so excited about that